Hey everybody, and welcome to the Newcomers Podcast. That's Newcomers with a Z. My name is Charlie. And I'm Robert. And this week we're in a little bit of a situation here. We are putting off a podcast, recording a podcast until the end of the World Series, but it's a rain delay. So we decided that we're going to go <laughs> ahead and try to sneak in the podcast doing the recording in between. Uh, we'll see if we catch the end of the game or not. So uh, let's go Cubs. What do you think? Yeah. About, what do you, last we saw, the tarp was getting pulled onto the field. So 6-6, six to six, uh, top of the 10th. And uh, this is not a sports podcast, so I'm going to move on. So, <laughs> But, uh, okay, so let's move into the last episode, or the latest episode, uh, called Contrapasso. And I kind of did a little, little uh, digging in there, Robert. And the Latin translation is suffer the opposite. Does, hmm. that, does that make any... Does that, Anything to you? Uh, I'm sure. If we gave it more, a, more yeah, thought. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure we dissect as we dissect the episode. Maybe we'll come come well, the, to see where it's coming from. The, um, one of the examples I got, and I believe this is off of, off of Wikipedia. So if I did get it wrong, please let us know. Uh, we'll let you know how to reach out to us. But um, the, the 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 Basically, the example they gave was, I guess, I guess, I never read Dante's Inferno, but I guess in the Eighth Ring, there are some sorcerers and astrologers and what they called false prophets walking around with their head backwards. Hmm. And they're walking backwards. So they were, their sin was trying to look into the future, I guess, from what I got from this article. And so their heads were on backwards so that therefore they had to constantly look backwards. So. Interesting. Yeah, and so I thought that was interesting. What that what that means in this episode? I don't know if I fully grasp. If anybody has an idea or a better idea out there, please let us know. Um, what do you think of this episode overall? Uh, it was a little more broken up. It almost took a few different like side turns that uh, kind of away from the main storyline. I think, but they're still interesting. It still kept me. It still kept me in the episode. It just wasn't as, you know, as gripping because it wasn't really, it just didn't feel like it was part of the continuing story as much. It, it is, but it just wasn't as much because it's it took these side roads, sort of. Yeah, and that's, there. I mean, we can, there's a lot, there's always a lot going on in this show, and that's kind of the cool thing about it is trying to peel back these layers and try to figure out what's going on with, what character, just trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Dolores. You could probably just do a podcast on that character alone. But um, yeah. <clears throat> then Maeve, at the end, at Maeve waking up and with that that Felix tech who's, I guess, figuring out how to wake up the hosts or wake up these robots. Well, with... it sounds like he's just doing a little homework trying to, you know, get a better paying job. <laughs> he's... He... He... He got himself some equipment, and he's he's trying to kind of like we do with our in our profession. You yeah, know, go out there trying and just to play around and see what we can figure out. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, there's that's I don't I'm going to kind of fly through the the rundown. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the interesting story about the Greyhound right off of the bat, it seems like we usually we usually start out with Dolores talking to Bernard, and right, we kind right. of catch up. That's kind of how we start. But we start with Ford talking to Buffalo Wild Bill. Wild Bill, I got Buffalo Bill. A little different. Yeah, a little different. But it, it does. It's a callback to the first episode where he talks to him. But this time, it, Ford did not seem as he seemed much more relaxed and enjoying the conversation the first time around. Like it was a buddy. Like he was reminiscing a little bit. And this time, 
it was almost as if he was looking at Bill. Like it made him sick almost. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like he was, he was almost repulsed by him. It seemed like he didn't, which is strange. So did you, did you catch that or did that, did you? Well, yeah, I think, that? I think it parallels to this. I think it parallels to the relationship between Bernard and, um, Dor- Dolores also. I mean, like you said, every episode usually starts with Dolores and Bernard. Well, this time it's Anthony Hopkins, uh, what's it called? Ford and this, uh, old codger, you know, host that, that was probably like his Dolores maybe in his time that he yeah. always spoke to shared with, you know, it's just but, not the um, magic's not there anymore. Yeah. But the story, the story that he tells about the Greyhound is obviously the, you know, the, the most important part of the scene. So who's he talking about? Who caught the cat? Well, he's talking about himself, I think. So you think that he he believes he's been chasing, creating life, and now he feels like he's done it. And what what the hell does he do? Is that kind of what we're supposed yeah, to take from it? Kind of like he's he's kind of achieved what he always wanted to do, and now he doesn't know what to do with it. Well, it's kind of go he's ahead. hit a wall. So, but I mean, last we left him, he was creating. He had that huge dirt digger out there, and he kind of. Right, so but that's, that's show. Exactly he was creating. So again, are we jumping? But that's, around? but that's show. You know, that's kind of just a showboating part of him. But he's not really fulfilled by things. Like he's trying to get fulfillment, or you know, some sort of I think, some sort of meaning out of things, and he's not really getting it. Like he used to. He just looks like a depressed man. <laughs> you know that scene, which he doesn't really look anywhere else. He usually looks always. He always looks confident and like he knows what he's doing and. This time around, it's it's the first time you see kind of a vulnerability in him because he, he it's never really vulnerable to anybody. The cr- the cracks are starting to show. Maybe the strain, the stress. Because I think I think he can kind of feel things closing in around him. Dolores right. Dolores is out there doing stuff that he knows. He obviously knows about the Man in Black because he runs. He goes out and checks him out later. So he knows he's out there cruising around. Dolores is out there, right? Growing, evolving, what doing whatever she's doing, and. He's you know he's now at odds with Teresa. Bernard's with Teresa, so maybe his one ally is now lost to the enemy. So I mean maybe he's kind of feeling alone, and Buff, you know, and Wild Bill's just not cutting it anymore. So yeah, but um, I like that. I like that Wild Bill though the the way it's the way he's played. You know, he just restarts. He's like he's just a he's an old version that's not really uh, have he doesn't have consciousness in a sense like the. The newer hosts do, which Anthony Hopkins would argue, but I mean, I think they have consciousness. But in any case, in any case, he doesn't act like he has consciousness like the other hosts. And I like the way that one eye blinks. That's really cool. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. And then and then how? We, but he does at least he has enough programming or consciousness to know when the story is over to go. Well, that's one him being of a story. <laughs> like he's got enough awareness to at least do that, even even yeah. being a an older model. So. What's the word that uh, Ford says? And then he's like. I don't know about showdowns. Like he says, some he uses some word, and he he just hears another word or uses a different. He answers them with like something that has nothing to do with what Ford just said. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he only he goes to an extent, but so it, yeah, it's interesting. And what, I guess we, I I, I, I am wondering too, with if that um, Greyhound story is also going to prefer to anybody else if he's setting you know not only talking about himself but you know the, the writers are letting us know further down that this may yeah. happen maybe maybe the man in black who seems to be his polar opposite at the moment so maybe when the man in black catches his cat maybe he's gonna be like oh that's it or you know who knows? Right. i don't know maybe they're setting it up maybe not maybe i'm reading too much into it but no you're right he might have been referencing 
Yeah, as far as possible. Um, so we we spend quite a bit of time in Pariah, which when I was going down my rabbit holes today doing research, there was a um, that wide shot. They're kind of in a cemetery. We catch up to Logan and William and I think Slim and Dolores out in the out in this graveyard outside of town, right. and then they kind of have that wide shot of the valley, and you know, you've got a big white church that's very stark in the back, and then they've got that mountain back there, you know, that, that uh, plateau, yeah. Mesa. Mm-hmm. And um, Very I, didn't, I didn't catch this, but I guess HBO had put out a... Uh, Basically, they put out a, a, a map of that mountain and then gave a diagram of how the inner workings of the structure of the Westworld, like the, you know, the, the control center, the labs, and all that kind of stuff, or how they're structured in the storage areas, is, are inside that mountain that's in the backdrop. Oh, wow. So it's right there. And, so, and to this, this blog article I was reading, their, to their point, was basically like, it does make sense that this is going to be where all the chaos happens and Newcomers are going to be there, and they could get hurt here because it does seem like it's pretty rowdy. You know, if anybody yeah. get trampled in a parade, get too drunk, get trampled in a parade, at least medical staff is right there. So it kind of makes sense. So that was interesting. But um, what did what, what did you take before we start diving into Dolores's visions and and Lawrence or um, mm-hmm. any of that? What what was your take of this overall Pariah place? What did you what did you think about it? Um, so the Pariah place, you mean? Are you talking about the after the graveyard, yeah, the city, the city. I think the I actual that, city itself. I, okay. I believe it's called Pariah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's just it's uh, it's kind of like one of those old Western movies, you know, when you when they arrive in like a, a Mexican town, uh, you know, somewhere in somewhere in Mexico or somewhere in, on the border near the border, and it's got that kind of rebel feeling where like anything goes, you know, anything. You know, anything is allowed. There's dirty. There's all kinds of you know shady people, and uh, that that's basically what I think they're trying to establish. That that's what this this part of Westworld is. It's that it's that thing you've seen before. But they make it really hard to get there because Logan obviously has been there before, and he's like, we have to we have to hitch our wagon to Slim to get to go see. I believe they called him L. Uh, Lawrence's character is. I thought it was Alonzo, but it's El Lazo. Elazo, Elazo, and I don't, I didn't translate. I don't know if that means anything in um, Spanish or anything. But uh, the so that's what I, it's kind of weird. This this seems like a lot of work and a lot of upkeep and probably a lot of hosts dying on a daily basis and a lot of <laughs> a lot of labor. If it's really hard to get there, right, right, and Logan references that too. Yeah. So it does seem strange that I, I mean I guess if you want the full experience your forty grand a day this is what I mean I guess this is what you do you sacrifice hosts needlessly every day for this just in case somebody walks in or something I don't know but yeah um, so that was that was interesting there's because there's a lot there's a lot of prostitutes there's a lot of <laughs> yeah <laughs> Confederate soldiers on the run they're and outlaws then suddenly, and yeah and then suddenly it looks like a Roman like a Roman <laughs> like a orgy yeah or a, you know like it's just weird it was a mix of things so it, it, it's you know to me it seemed like they're trying to establish that kind of that you know Mexican you know t- town that's got outlaws in it but once that one scene with the orgy starts it's just it looks like a Roman <laughs> something yeah. Roman's going on it's not it doesn't look like a Mexican town at all anymore, so it's it's strange. Well, there's there's one shot at, at towards the end of it where I believe uh, 
William and, and Dolores are running out. This is after she sees the nitroglycerin switch off thing, and she's like, we got to get out of here. We've been had. And mm-hmm. there's a shot where they run out, and there's literally like just a pile of bodies going to town. And, <laughs> yeah, and, like, and I'm I, expecting Caligula to pop yeah. up there somewhere. <laughs> well, and my and my thought, and then my thought was, well, it's like The Walking Dead. That's what it looks like when somebody falls and just like a herd of zombies just <laughs> fall and start rathing around trying to eat. So it was great. It was it was a funny little juxtaposition there. But um, so, but this town for me, I think it was interesting. I liked the, I liked the kind of the chaos of it. It's it's it did feel that way. So they they did pull it off and. You know, you had the people dressed in the the, pa- the face paint, the Dia de los Muertos, probably kind of stuff, and celebration. Yeah. They had a parade. It, it seems like if that's where anything crazy is going to happen, that's the place that you got. You got all sorts of bad people, and yeah, it's like every it's like every party town. Yeah, <laughs> put together like every party town from history put together almost. Absolutely, yeah. So, um. So we get there, and uh, I, right before they go in there, and this is kind of important, uh, which is a topic, Arnold is now becoming a more, we just learned his name a couple episodes ago, but he's becoming much more prevalent, and right. it seems like when Dolores is standing out, she before they go into town, she's standing there and has another vision of, I think she sees like a church, maybe another, I forget everything that was in the vision, and when she comes to, you hear a voice, and it says, find me. Yeah. So who did, did you do you have a guess on who that was? Do you Well, it's I mean it's either Wyatt or Arnold or yeah. both or somehow interplaying with each other. They're trying to that's that's where they're trying to throw us off so we don't they don't just give us everything, I think, you know, all the information at once. But um you know, I I, I, I tend to think it's Arnold. That's something that's been planted in there. Especially uh, based, after, after the conversation before. Exactly. Yeah. Right. After that, then I definitely thought that. Because at first, the first time I, I didn't really think much of it. Because usually my first watch, I'm not, like I've said, probably every episode of this podcast is my first time <laughs> through, I just soak it in. I don't really dive into, I don't try to figure anything out. My second time yeah, through, I really start to like try to analyze it a little bit more. So, Yeah, I'm just trying to enjoy it the first time through. Just kind of enjoy it. Like you said, like with like a popcorn flick, you know, just trying to enjoy it. And, as a fan, as a fan of the oh, show. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, okay. So she's, so obviously she's, there's a lot going on with Dolores and more goes on. What did, um, what did you think of that exchange when they get into town and they have a conversation? It's Logan and William and they're walking into Pariah for the first time and Mm -hmm. they're talking about kind of the history. You, we get a little more, I I love how this dialogue, they do it. The writers are fantastic. It's not clumsy. It's written in an intelligent way. The dialogue between William and Logan lets us know that this Westworld's not doing well financially yeah they don't we don't have to have a phone call from the board to Teresa like you know you would in a clumsy show this is written in a conversation that they're gonna have anyways so hey I'm here part of my why I'm here is to see should we put money into this and so there's a right. little there's another little bit of information there you know they have issues with Ford he obviously knows about Ford and the history of mm-hmm. Arnold and everything so it, it was interesting it's just Logan's character is more interesting now and his motives are a little more clear he's not just there to have sex with every robot prostitute in Westworld. Right. He's, he's there to obviously doing a few other things besides break William. And, you know, he's, 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 he's trying to look at it and see if the investment's worth it. So that was interesting. Right. Right. And as we go on in the episode, we kind of start to wonder, you know, how deep into it him or the man in black or certain characters are. 
And so we, William's still pretty reluctant. I think really he's, his only drive is Dolores at the moment, just his interest in her. But Logan is fascinated by getting, he hasn't gotten this deep into Westworld and he wants to get into the war. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. I'm wondering what, I'm kind of hoping that'd be kind of cool to see a war in the, you know, an old, you know, maybe a season finale kind of a thing. And right. you've got maybe Dolores riding into battle and the man in black. And I mean, any, there's endless possibilities here. It could be amazing. So that was interesting. That piqued my curiosity, even though I think half of the freaking Confederates got wiped out. But I guess they get put, they get put back out the next day anyway. So it's not a big deal. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but there was an interesting line by William when he's talking to Logan and he says, and I believe he's talking specifically about Pariah, this portion of it. He might've been mm-hmm. talking about Westworld in whole, but I kind of took it more as for this particular area. But he says, whoever designed this place, they don't think very much of people, which then harkens back to Arnold right. and Arnold's ideas on humanity and, and people. So that was interesting. Or, or I thought maybe it harkened more back towards Anthony Hopkins towards uh, Ford. Personally, I, I, I think he was talking more about, I think from what I'm, from what I'm coming to understand about Arnold, he was, he probably cared more about the hosts as real people where Anthony Hopkins is uh, trying to make the point that they're not people. Why you know? Don't refer to them as people. Don't treat them like people because they're not people. So I think it's more of a reference towards Ford hmm. like when he when he makes that statement. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I just I took it more towards or aimed at Arnold, just in the sense that because they referenced that in the past, and he was at the end living among the hosts, which would follow your theory that he was more in tune with the hosts and cared about them, but. You know, I, I think he he he'd gone away from humanity. He he, he isolated himself from humanity, whereas Ford had rooted himself. You know, he's in he's in the lab. He's around techs. He's around scientists. He's around engineers. And stuff. right. Well, so, I mean, it's possible. We don't know. We don't know what Arnold was up to. Maybe it's something really devious and nasty, and we'll find. We'll come to find out. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Man in Black kind of plays a role this episode. He always. He does, but uh, what did you think about him draining the blood to save Teddy? <laughs> uh, I was watching it with my wife, and uh, she wasn't happy about that. She looked up at the wrong moment when he <laughs> slices his throat. She's like, "I, I looked up right at that moment." Cause she's not really watching it; she's yeah. doing her own thing. But nice. uh, yeah, I, I just, I just wondered how he came up. He came. He had all the technology he needed to put the put the blood back into Teddy. I guess he just brought a tube with him. I don't know. I don't know how he did it exactly, but. Apparently he knows that it works, so he's done it before. Yeah, well, he's, he even says – another couple of interesting things happen in there, but he um, – in the conversations he has with Teddy, but he's he, – I didn't catch this the first time when the little boy, the young Ford, comes up and asks, are they lost? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, get us some water. And he's walking away. And I didn't catch this the first time I watched it. The second time he looks at Lawrence like too small. Like, yeah, like it, that, I got it the second time too. <laughs> yeah, how devious is that? He's like, yeah, <laughs> I would have cut that kid's throat, but man, I was just like, jeez, man, that's harsh. So, um, but they have a conversation, and I don't remember if it happens in this scene or the next, but I, I believe it's this one where Teddy and he have a conversation, and Ford says something along the lines of, "I'm sorry, not Ford, the Man in Black," and he basically says, "I opened one of you up." years ago and you guys were beautiful you were gears and right. levers and buttons or whatever you were but now they've made you flesh and bone and it's mm-hmm. it's 
you're, you, and that was interesting, an interesting choice of words that you're flesh and bone. And then he also says, uh, basically along the line, something along the lines of, um, you know, because of cut, cutting costs, like he's almost like cutting, like making them cheap. When I'm like, man, this, this technology is fantastic. Right. To me, I'm like, this is fantastic. Like if, if, if I couldn't tell the difference, like that one, that, that host that approached, uh, William initially, and it's like, if we're, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Like, right, right. That's kind of the point, I thought. But so I thought that was an interesting little exchange. Not nothing earth shattering, but I just thought. That yeah, was he was. It was almost like he was saying, I guess, because they they're more self sustaining. Like they could take care of themselves a little bit. I, I'm assuming that's why they're cheaper. But I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the uh, so after that, we then we go to the lab and we we come to those two techs, the ones that. Maeve woke up on and uh, basically <laughs> this guy Felix his name is Felix the, the tech um, the younger tech's uh, name and he's doing this thing with he has a little board a little piece of technology and this little robot bird that he's taken we learn later from the park itself he's borrowed it and mm-hmm. he's working with it what did you you and I had a quick conversation about this and I think we kind of had a little differing um opinion a little bit on it um what was your take on what he was doing because i think we took had two completely different takes so why don't you tell me what you think you think he was trying to accomplish well my my immediate thought was just kind of what the other guy says he's trying to he's trying to learn programming sort of it's like his him trying to get ahead in the company maybe he could get a a better job you know okay kind of i mean to me that was my first instinct it's very possible there's more there, but that was my first thought. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just took it as him. I, I, I guess you're right. I mean, it just it seemed to me. I mean, it's possible that as we come to find out later on in the episode, it's possible that you know he's an infiltrator and he's trying to find some secrets or something. But I mean, I didn't really, it didn't, it never really occurred to me that that was what was going on because it was almost like such a such a like a. Like it looked like he was trying to learn something and like something like you know new. It didn't yeah. look like he was trying to steal information. So. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take that. But I just think. I think his intention of what he was doing. I, I thought more. I think you said something initially before we talked. Like he was trying to find a better job or maybe move up or you know try to right, 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 better position himself. Maybe he doesn't want to be a. What do they call themselves? They're they call they're in the Butcher. department department yet yeah, the department of livestock or something. So um, but, well. He, they call themselves butchers, I guess. That's what they refer to them as. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, how, how demeaning is it to these hosts again? I mean, when they do it, if they do wake up and realize like right. what they've been doing, it's like we were sent to the livestock room to get butchered and sent back on the front lines to be raped and murdered again. So, yeah. Um, but to back to the point of Felix, I just, I guess, I just took it more as a innocent. I think I took it just more as innocence, like he was just trying to see if he couldn't get this thing to work. Just figured out, kind of just like a, almost like a toy. The guy just doesn't seem like he's all that bright, but he doesn't. Right. He doesn't seem menacing, which could change at any moment in the show. But so I just thought that was interesting that you and I had a little bit different take on what his what he was doing. Well, so, you know, you're wrong though, right? I am. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. I do. I truly appreciate that. Yes, I am wrong. Thanks for that. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. That is the end of this podcast. Yes. All right, all right. You son of a... Um, 
but so th- but let's 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 keep moving. Uh, we go back. We finally meet El Lazo. Slim Slim meets. They send, you know sends him or gets him finally to their meet with El Lazo, and it's Lawrence who just got his throat cut in scenes earlier. Right. So you and I had another conversation, and this was outside. This is outside of the podcast with this whole time thing and Lawrence's character, right? Getting hanging from a tree. Then a few scenes later, he's at he's at Pariah as back as the as the uh, head of this cartel or whatever he is. And right. I just assumed he was picked up, like like the man in black said. Um, somebody will come get him. Don't worry about mm-hmm. him. Somebody will come get him. And they just, the butchers came and patched him up and put him back out there. And Pariah and I thought, and you know, we were talking about, well, how did he get? to where he was when the man in black finally meets him, you know, catches him and he's about to be hung. Right. And I was like, that's his loop is he starts to me. It seems like that's how he goes. He starts in pariah. He could maybe gets on this train and he goes and starts a war and gets caught and the posse catches up with him after the war or something like this is kind of his loop. That's what he does every week. He's right. Right. Mondays. He's in pariah. Tuesdays. He's on the train. Wednesdays. He's in, Back in Sweetwater or whatever it is, so I just kind of thought that. No, that was a good point too. And I, I'm watching it the second time. I think it's very possible that's what's going on. I, I was confused at first, and then I, what I was thinking was, okay, is this a time change, a time shift here or something, or we're going to a different period of time? So like maybe this whole storyline with, uh, you know, Logan and William is in a different period of time than where the Man in Black is in terms of the story you know but i i honestly i think watching it the second time i thought the loop idea was probably more likely the case because they're revealing more of the story now and it's i think it's probably more the more likely the case well i jumped i jumped the gun on there that's that meeting at Lazo is a little bit later because they have the, the night there they just got there and they have the night before they meet him slim says that, that he'll show they can meet him the next day but there's some interesting stuff where um, Dolores is standing there. I believe she's looking at a dead body mm-hmm. and kind of has some vision of slaughter. It's kind of reminiscent of the, what we see of Wyatt, what he's doing, just mm-hmm. slaughtering people in the street. William comes up, asks her if she's okay. Um, then she, and then he says something about what happens in the real world. And right. she's, she's like, what is that? Cause they keep, he keeps referencing things outside of the park and she's like, what is that? And she keeps picking up on, he's like, I don't, I didn't think you were supposed to notice those things. Mm-hmm. And she's, it's interesting. And this goes, I think this kind of harkens back to what we talked about. How much is Dolores aware and how much is she not? When it, does she go in and out of awareness? Is she a hundred percent aware of what she's doing a hundred percent of the time? Or is she 20% of the time aware 80%? going along with the ride. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Then, yeah. And then, so then, because I of, think she's going through something similar as similar to what, uh, Maeve is going through, you know, I think it's where like, she's, she's recalling more and more each time around, but where Maeve, it's more about like, like factual things, more like about the bullet or about the pictures of the, of the, um, sh- what do they call them? The shades or the shades? Yeah. The shades or where it's more like, scientific or like evidence-based with Dolores it's more in- inside inside her brain inside her heart type of thing well you want to call it a heart whatever it's inside of her psyche um you know whether it's man-made or not that that she's she's kind of uh growing you know with knowledge where Maeve is doing it she was doing it more with evidence 
So it's yeah. it's almost like a parallel, but in a different way, you know. Okay. So what? So in this scene, she before she goes, she does see herself walking through this parade. This parade with all these people with their painted faces comes walking through, and they're celebrating, dancing, and music. Mm-hmm. She's talking to William, and, and before she catches a glimpse of herself, I didn't notice the first time around. The second time around, I noticed that there's a fountain right behind him. Did you notice that? And yeah, it, with the blood. It, the blood fountain. Does that have anything? Are you aware of anything with like Day of the Dead or anything like that connection? I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not. You know, I'm not up on speed on the Day of the Dead uh, cultural stuff. Right. I just thought it was interesting. I don't. I don't yeah. know if it has anything to do with it. I don't know if this is just a crazy town and that's the blood of the dead of the day. Who knows? It Maybe it's just anything. punch. Maybe punch. it's just a Hawaiian yeah. punch. Yeah, a little fruit punch. Nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah, and then it adds more water, man. A little thick. Um, but then she sees herself in the in the parade. Tries to follow. She's obviously in having a vision or. A, whatever you want to call it, a hallucination, tries to follow herself. And then she hears the, the audio, the audio cue from Ford that says whatever slumber and yeah. she passes out. Mm-hmm. So this next scene with her and Ford in the, the lab is pretty interesting because there were some things, I mean, not just the conversation they had. I think this may have been, Besides, like the violence with Dolores, the you know the 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 scene with the man in black, where he drags yeah. her off, or when the second guy drags her off, mm-hmm. this scene when she's sitting there naked and they actually show her us show her being naked right. to us, it made me feel uncomfortable for her. Like I felt, yeah, I felt like she was very vulnerable and very. Well, I'm sure that was a, that was a big intent, choice by yeah. the director to he did that purposely. I mean. Yeah, show her naked for the first time. It was interesting, and it was—it's such a weird thing to just sit there in front of somebody who's butt naked and yeah. just talk to them. And I just—it was just—it was really strange. And then they—they they have that—he has that quick conversation. Do you know where you are? I'm in a dream. Dreams are when your brain tells the stories. They do that same kind of conversation over, and. We get another in this conversation. We get a little more glimpse into Ford's life. His father had given him some advice, and you know, find your lot in life and basically stay there. And he's like, "Well, that wasn't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make my own world." And he literally does. What did, right. you, what did you think? Is is what did anything you grab from that? Well, he's he was just trying to, I guess, uh, what what's the word? Um, Relate to Dolores, I guess. To me, that's what he was doing. He was relating to her, to where she is right now, um, in terms of like trying to find her own way, her own path, uh, different from what her storyline is supposed to be every single day when she wakes up. Well, what did you? What do you? What do you think that is going through? Besides, what is his intention? What is his? Intention? His intention. I, well, as you come to find at the end of the conversation, when he says, "No, we're not friends. We definitely aren't friends." Well, I mean, he obviously does not. He obviously has a history with Dolores that we don't know about yet, and it seems like it's something pretty, you know, pretty disturbing. I don't know what it is yet, but it relates to Arnold. It relates to Dolores, but obviously she is not his favorite host <laughs> from the way from the way that that exchange went. Um, so he's pretty much telling her, you know, you you know. I think he's just he's trying to he's trying to. Really telling himself, you're not a person, you know, you're not real, you're not, you know, you don't have 
you don't have a path to choose. You don't have anything to choose. You're not real. So I did because I'm a real. I'm I was real. I'm a real person. But you don't. It's it's almost like he has her there to to tell her off. <laughs> he has her in front in front of him when he grabs her hand and he and he grabs it too hard and she's like, oh, that hurts. And then you know just little things like that. You just you can just tell. You know, there's some sort of like disturbing relationship there between the two. Well, and he also talks about the, he says, I believe he says something along the lines of you're one of the few left. I think that right. knows of the Arnold, only one, the only one the that, only that's one. been with Arnold or seen Arnold or talked to him or had any kind of thing, maybe contact with him. Well, what I got from him is you're the only, you're the only one left. Maybe of, he his, his, I don't know if he said the only one, but yeah, of his, like basically his, his model. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of how I took it too. And so how much of this do you think that Ford, how aware do you think he is of Dolores? Do you think he suspects? Do you think he is oblivious? Do you think he knows outright that she's, because he asked her specifically, are you hearing voices? So I'm, I'm oh, a, oh, he knows, he knows everything. I think when he told uh, Teresa, you know, I know we know, I know everything. He, I think he really does know everything that's going on in terms of on the surface. So I think he's he's doing his homework. He's constantly seeing what the hosts are up to, and he sees her listening to hearing voices, or he knows that something's up, but he doesn't know what exactly. And you know, he doesn't he hasn't put it all together necessarily. So he doesn't. So does he think that she can hide stuff from him? Oh yeah, definitely. I think so. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that he knows exactly what it is. And you know, as we see when the, that scene is over, she starts talking to Arnold somewhere in her yeah, head after he gives her the hand signal, the the ninja signal to shut down. Right. Which we're learning more about these powers too, which is kind of cool. I'm like now that now that um, I think that little hand signal he did that shut her down was mm-hmm. what he used at the the restaurant the episode before with Teresa and all of, all of them froze. So he must have done something along yeah. those lines. So his little, his little, he uses the force. And, shuts and with down. Ted, with Teddy and the, and the little scene that he has with the man in black as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you, yeah. And that, well, we'll get to that. But, um, so afterwards when she says, I mean, and it's good that they, they've established this now enough that when she just does talk into the, looks off into the space and talks. We now know that she's talking to Arnold, we assume. Right. So it's interesting. So they're set, they set it up enough to where now they don't have to do a flashback and sound effects and and then she's, you know, to have her say something. Now they've established it enough <laughs> yeah. that she can just say something more like, oh, okay, she's talking to Arnold. Which is cool. Yeah. They've, done, they've done a great job. Anything else in that scene that you thought was worthy of anything we missed? Because I think it it was an interesting scene, but... I think one of the last thing I want to talk about is Ford is, and maybe I'm just grabbing onto the, you know, I watched the whatever two minute in the weeks to come after the show and Ford, mm-hmm. and Ford has a line at the end where he's like, this is my world and you're not going to take it from me. So I'm just kind of seeing him. He's starting to spiral a little bit more. And oh yeah. I think he's yeah. taking more risks. And I think like going out to see the man in black is a little more risk. I don't think he normally ventures out and confronts newcomers that way, but um, right, because I think he definitely caught the man of black off guard. So, um, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. So I think he's yeah, I think he's I think he's feeling isolated. And I have a question. I have a question for you sure. about that scene when we get there. Okay, cool. Um, 
let's see here. Uh, do you really? This okay. This is interesting. There's we go back to Felix and his buddy, and he almost brings the you know the bird back. It kind of falls on the ground, and the other dude comes back from lunch, and mm-hmm. um, Maeve gets rolled in, and it, it obviously her presence still physically affects this guy, this Felix character. Right. Which is going to be important later when she actually does come back to life. But um, mm-hmm. he says that the other tech, who I, I forgot to get his name, um, he he says something interesting. And he says, "I don't know if you're fit for this kind of work. Your person, like you should have been sorted out in the personality testing in the embryo." And right, right. And I went. I oh. heard that too, yeah. And I yeah. thought, huh, how advanced was that? Was that this episode or was that a previous episode? No, this is this episode. It's cause oh, okay. He, it's when I he tries it to... the second time. I caught it the first time, but not the second time, which is odd. Yeah, because yeah. he was this, this was the scene. He, this is the first time he really tries to get the bird going. And okay. It fails. Yeah. It doesn't work completely. Like it works for a second and then it fails. And they try to catch the bird and stuff. But the um, okay. I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, how advanced is? society because we do get another glimpse of society later when when the man in black is talking right before. yeah so and he's like everybody is basically just placated and they're all soft yeah everybody's soft yeah. and the world is you know and so that was interesting it's just it's not important i don't know how much of it it means to the show i don't know if it's just clever writing letting us know that civilization has advanced to a, to a certain degree so right it, it's interesting it's just interesting it's not really i don't think necessary to the story but just interesting little tidbits so that guy has a funny line the the other guy we don't know his name but when he uses the word fuck pup fuck puppet yeah it just made me laugh that made me laugh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, guy, that, that dude's a creep i mean you could start thinking... <laughs> he is but he, he made he, he cracked me up with that line he's like you're afraid of the fuck puppet <laughs> yeah no that was he and he, he says something else too about he's, he's got a ham sandwich and a beautiful yeah redhead or something yeah, right yeah he's a creep so pretty gross yeah. well, i think i i think we start to see that these the uh the texts yeah. or the the butchers are pretty... well once again i think it goes to one of the things i said in the first episode where it seems like people are constantly crossing the line on that in that facility yeah very literally yeah that's yeah, pretty bad um so we finally we finally we go back to pariah we finally get to meet uh elazo and so what did you think when they're trying, you know, Logan's trying his best to finagle a, to a meeting with these Southern troops to join the war and go off and stuff. But um, it's not until Dolores has a quick vision and she approaches him and says, you're looking for something too. What yeah. did, and he obviously, the, the, the Lawrence Elazo, whatever you want to call him, he's obviously physically, he, it's taken aback by it. He's not expecting that. And he plays it off as a lunatic. He says, why do the right. lunatics follow me? Which I came across another blog in my, while well, I was going down my rabbit holes, um, where there's a reference to, I think it's the first or second episode where Ford and Bernard are talking and mm-hmm. they start talking about lunatics and the voices they hear, they think are God. And right. so... I'm wondering if that was... Well, I'm not wondering. I'm sorry. I'm going to give this back to the author of the blog who basically was like, well, is that, it's not just like trying to slander her. He's just basically saying something along the lines of, you know, he gets it. He, you know, he, yeah. he, he understands it. So that was interesting. So, so um, and then he basically agrees. He's like, go steal some nitroglycerin from the Union 
troops and then come back and we'll be taken care of. But he says, but he specifically says, and this is interesting too in the scene, he gives her, he says, you blondie need to change your clothes. And he, right. he hands her a brown hat. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything? Because you've got William's white hat, you've got Logan that's the black hat, she's the brown hat. It didn't, I didn't catch it, honestly. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean, I, I saw the hat, but I didn't, it didn't uh, stand out to me. Maybe okay. it should have, but it didn't. And I'm wondering because also in later on when she actually shoots all those soldiers, she's not wearing a hat anymore. So I'm mm. I'm wondering if that's that was her neutrality, kind of like Switzerland, because she doesn't want to shoot anybody. These are soldiers. Her dad was a soldier, right? So um, that was interesting. I just thought it was interesting because they hmm. play, they play with color. They've now she's now yeah gotten rid of the blue dress, and which does come back in a later scene when she sees the weird gypsy lady, but um. Uh, then they go on the heist. It was a cool, fun scene. It felt like a nice Western heist scene and some good lines in there about, um, half wits and it was, it was good as well done. And William, right. the, I think the main thing we, we take away from this is that William, when Dolores was confronted and was going to possibly be killed, he acted, which he had done right. in the past. He had, he had done that, saved the damsel in distress. He acts again, shoots, but he doesn't, he shoots the guy, turns around, shoots another guy behind him, and then and Logan's getting choked out by a third soldier, and just bang, 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 just doesn't really give it any thought. Doesn't say, let him go, doesn't right. say, doesn't wear the white hat for a second, he's just bang, 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 so straight up. And he, and he takes care of Dolores before he takes care of him. <laughs> Basically, yeah. he takes care of a host before he takes care of uh, his, you know, his Brother-in-law, yeah, who's well, brother-in-law. Who, I'm trying to think of a name because not his friend, really. So, well, it's, it's obviously we find out later. It's, he's their boss. It's his boss, right. but right. it's his brother-in-law too. So, it's, they've got a weird dynamic going on. So, William has to not only kind of placate or deal with, like, sit through a bunch of crap with Logan. He's got a, you know, his, it's his boss too. So, yeah. He's, he's in a, he's in a tough situation, and he's not that guy. He's not Logan. He's not there to just go do these things. So it's not he's not compelled to do those things like Logan. But um, so they go back. And, and oh, you know, I had a question about for you on that. What do you do? You think it's because they're so far outside, like you know, like like the whole idea that the further they get from um, Sweetwater, you know, the more crazy it gets, or the more maybe the more dangerous it gets for the for the uh, newcomers, I don't know, but the fact that he's getting choked out—what did you think about that? That he was really getting injured, and and later on he really is getting injured. So, what? How did you think that? How do you think that works in Westworld? How, how that's allowed to happen? I don't know. Maybe you sign it on your release form that you get out, you know, X miles outside of Sweetwater. You're it gets a little more real. You know, they'll choke, they'll choke you to. You know, like a like a UFC fight, they'll choke you till you pass out, and then they'll let go, and then the techs will come and get you and make sure you're okay. But you don't think it's some sort of fel- some sort of malfunctioning or nothing? No, I don't. I still think there are rules that mm-hmm. I just. I mean, the first time we really see a host go after a newcomer is when the man in black is in that shootout in that little town, and that one, right. and that one. Um, one of the cousins or whatever, the buddies comes and try and pushes him out of the doorway or you know, tries to get him. You know, so we see it does, it has happened before. So it's not completely a hundred percent. Right. 
there, there's precedent for it, so I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So By the way, I I would think the rain delay is over. <laughs> oh, is the game back on? All right. Well, I let's, think so. Let's yeah. go Cubs then. Let's get through this and go watch a uh, the World Series. Yeah. But um, let's see here. Then I think I'm going to skip through some of this. You know the. There's the exchange. Uh, what was interesting, they get the, you know, they, the Confederates give the money, um, mm-hmm. Confederales or whatever they're called, give them the money. And this was tricky. I didn't realize it the first time that when Elazo says, you know, why don't you guys stay and have fun? Relax, guys. You know, the war can basically mm-hmm. war can go on tomorrow. Um, that uh, so so he's trick. So basically, Elazo tricks tricks the Feder- the Confederales to stay there another mm-hmm. night so that he can get, he can steal the nitroglycerin and put it in the bodies, which is really kind of creepy and crazy. And yeah. so, um, which later on they find and all that happens, but we go to Elise and she, the tech in the lab. And this was really interesting scene. She, she sees the stray body getting taken down the hallway and she follows it and then has a little leverage on a tech and which was just, Disturbing. I don't think we need to talk about it. <laughs> um, and then he, she basically just says, I'll go public with this unless you help me. So he takes her to where uh, the body is. And she finds in his arm this device that we find out right. later is a satellite uplink. And somebody obviously has put it in there. In there. Mm-hmm. And this stray would go out there, I guess, maybe and beam up information, data to a satellite. Maybe that was, maybe that was the constellation that he had to aim it towards or something. Maybe this is making a little more sense. Right. um, So that's interesting. So now we've got another, we've got another clue that there are outside forces at work here, whether that's, you know, this is part of Logan's gamut, whether this is the man in black, whether this is who the board, who knows? So that was interesting. I just, I I, I don't really think we need to spend a lot of time on that, but I mean, no, they just barely broke the surface. So we really don't know enough. Really, to. she ends up telling Bernard, and I mean, I really like the Elise character. I think the actress does a great job with her, and uh, she's fun. Yeah, she, she's interesting. She's she adds levity. She definitely adds levity to the show, which it needs sometimes when it's way too serious. Yeah, she's got a she's got a mouth on her, and she's she says some, some pretty funny lines. There's the dude pouring the water, and she has a funny line there. So it's she's good. She I really like that character. She's fun. She's she's interesting. Um, and then we go to. This is kind of where this 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 episode. This is where the you're talking about the Caligula aspect of it comes in, and we see this wide shot of this Roman. It's like orgies <laughs> and naked dudes and naked women, all painted in gold and red. And colors, yeah, that we hadn't seen like any time before. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then in the background is or the song, which I always try to keep an eye on. And I knew the song. I, I, I knew I'd heard the song. I had to do some research because I, I knew it was a Nine Inch Nails song. I just did not know which song it was. But it ended mm-hmm. up being a, uh, it's called Something I Can Never Have by mm. Nine Inch Nails. And if you look at the lyrics, if you're out there listening or you know, if you get a chance later on this week, look at the lyrics because they're interesting. There's a lot of lines in there that can relate to where William is, where Dolores is. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just interesting. And I don't want to go through the lines. It's, you know, just if you have some time and you're interested in it and think about that scene a little cool. bit, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a great choice. I did find out during my research that, um, the guy who does the, the musical scores and, you know, I assume picks the music and 
writes the music for these and does the piano for them is the same guy who does the Game of Thrones, and he's fantastic. His name oh, is wow. Ramin Duwaji, and um, Ju- I'm sorry, Jawadi, and he's the the season finale episode of Game of Thrones. The music was fantastic. I mean, it was almost a character in and of itself. This guy's just he's just top notch. So. I assume he picked that song for a certain reason. We all know, you know, if you have any familiar familiarity with Nine Inch Nails, it's pretty deep, pretty gothic, industrial right. type stuff. So, which is kind of it's that step movie seven that feel to it, that dark and dank world and the that industrial. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that kind of sound. and this and then scene it works. I mean, maybe there were better choices of a song from Nine Inch Nails, but this was mm-hmm. it worked for me. So, um, very cool. Yeah, and uh, let's see here. What did you take? So there's a there's there's a the general's trying to get William and Logan to join join the party and go to war. Logan's all on. He's 100 percent on board. And William and him have a discussion. And I think we sort out. This is where we flush out a lot of the um, the dynamic between them. It's kind of been hinted at. We know their their family due to marriage. We know that they're. Um, right. All these, you know, now we know he's the, he's the boss. He was the one that gave him the promotion. He's got all, obviously all this power and influence over him in his professional life and his personal life. So, right. What did you take from Logan pushing him that hard? Is he, is he trying to make William like him or not like him as in, I like you, buddy? It more like make him more like him as a person or is he think that he's weak and soft and trying to make him tougher? I I don't think I don't think there's any kind of um altruistic thing going on there. I think it's purely selfish. It's just about him trying to say, "Hey, just do what I say cuz I'm in charge." Yeah, that's really what I got from it. Just kind of an alpha male thing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I I I think because of the way he would react like when he shot those soldiers, I just kind of thought mm-hmm. maybe he was trying to get him like like we're we're family, we're brothers, and maybe they have zero in common. And he's like trying to get the, a bond. Maybe he's trying. You know what I'm saying? And, and well, he wants him to be his puppet. I think. Yeah. I, I think he definitely wants him to do what he says. Whereas William still isn't there. Like you know, he doesn't let him push him around completely. He does. He kind of goes along with things, but he's not completely. He's reluctant. Yeah, he's reluctant, and he's not completely doing everything he says. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to say, "You're my puppet. You do what I say." or else we'll see what the consequences are type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of just putting that out there. So, all right, well, I, I agree. I think so. Um, it's just interesting. We're getting more, again, well-written, appropriate time, right. an appropriate time to have that conversation. Well done, writers. Um, the, afterwards, William turns around and Dolores is gone. She's now walking through room after room of <laughs> sexual chaos and she goes down to, she, she, I think she seems like she's compelled. She's walking to something. She's not, doesn't seem like she's just wandering aimlessly. She feels, it seems like she's walking to something. This is a certain yeah. door, the certain room. And she goes in there, there's a gypsy and the gypsy gives her a card and it's the maze. And she basically tells her to, oh, she looks up and it's her as the gypsy now, but she's in the blue dress. Right. And she says, find the maze, essentially. And then there's a really, really, really awesome scene, which I'm 100% being sarcastic right now, where she pulls up a thread or something out of her. It was really tough for me to watch. But um, yeah. uh, 
so she's, unraveling. Yeah. You're unraveling. It was, it was, right. and I think it was, yeah, it was, also, it was a good visual representation that she's kind of losing it. Maybe kind of where Maeve was an episode two or ago or two. She's, you know, right. a lot's happening. She's drawn to something, but there's a lot of information she's trying to sort out. So she's, her mind is probably a mess. Um, but I think it was a clue too that something's different about her. So right. for herself, so that was interesting. So she gets out of that room, freaks out, gets out of that room, sees that Alonzo has switched out the, the, um, what are they called? The, the, the nitroglycerin. Right. Right. Realizes, she's watching them. Yeah. She's watching them, uh, put it into the corpse, right? Is that where she catches them? Yeah. Yeah. So she's, so they're stealing, they're, they're smuggling the nitroglycerin in the bodies and she runs, finds William, says, we got to go. We've been had, they're going to, the confederalities are going to find out they're going to come for us. So we're in trouble. And what did you think of that conversation that they had? There was a lot happening that was said there before, um, before she convinces him, there was, I want to say she, he talks about how this place he's, he's saying he's kind of, I think he's drinking at this point. He seems like he might be having some drinks. He's got, he's got a lot on his mind and he says that they create a sense of urgency here. They, they, they strip you down and they make you primal. They make you primal and they they're showing kind of, they're showing Logan, which is kind of the essence of what he's saying. And, um, she's, she basically tells him flat out, like, I need to, I'm, I need to go and I need you to go with me and they kiss. And, right. And so that was all he really needed. I I think <laughs> she get most used like, oh, let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, then they go, they're running away and the confederalities confront them and grab William and obviously they're going to kill them. And she goes full on wild West, Clint Eastwood, bam, 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 right. takes him out. And it was and then she, awesome. And then she, talk, then she talks like Elvis afterwards. What was that all about? <laughs> so, did, you, did you notice her voice change? Was that me or was the, or was that just her doing her accent that it just sounded different at that Maybe. point? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it was different. I think, but it it kinda, sounded like another character took over her almost. Like it was, it was, I don't know if that was on purpose or if, I, if it was just something that I, seemed weird to me. I don't know. It seemed like she said it in a different voice. Though. It sounded like Elvis was talking suddenly. I think she was maybe trying to play it like a little. Uh, <laughs> you think you think it was just a, it was an actor's choice type of thing, or yeah, I think she was trying to play it serious. She was a badass then. She'd taken out four dudes okay. in like four shots, you know, four headshots. You got you got a reason to act a little tough after that. So I forgot what the line was. The line was like, uh, "You said something about about." Uh, shoot, I forgot what the line was. Well, she said, she about, says, she says, people come here to change their lives. I imagined a story oh, where I didn't need to be the damsel. Damsel, right? But the way she says, people come here to change their lives. All of a sudden, yeah. like her accent was like stronger and almost like masculine, which I was like, what is? Huh? Well, maybe that was is. She, she, that's maybe that was the point. Maybe she was, maybe yeah. she was, she was getting Schwarzenegger or something on. She was getting tough. So. Mm-hmm. But it was badass. It was a cool scene. It was a really cool scene, and um, it kind of it was kind of harkened to the Man in Black, where you don't see the, you don't necessarily see it, if I remember it correctly. Kind of with the Lawrence shots, where he's taking right. posses and stuff. It's kind of just there. You're focused on something else. The camera is, anyways. So it was kind of done in a similar style. So I thought that was a cool little parallel too. Um, and this starts to beg the question to me about the the relationship between Bernard and Arnold, whether 
Bernard is one of his disciples that kind of got under the radar, you know, under under Ford's radar, or maybe somehow he found out about Arnold and now he believes in what Arnold stood for. Because just the the only two voices she ever hears are Bernard's or Arnold's. And Bernard, I believe, is the one that got her to find the gun, right? But yeah. That's the voice we're hearing her. Remember. When she, right. So it's, I don't know, that, to me that just raises questions in that, in that arena. Yeah. And it, I mean, well, it has, like I said, this show, and especially the Dolores character, has so many freaking layers that I, I yeah. feel like we're barely getting through the first few. But what, let's finish this off and then we can talk. Let's just finish off the rest of the, sto- the story. They get on the train, they catch the train mm-hmm. that's going away with the bodies and uh, Elazo. What? They get on there, he gives up their gun, he gives up his gun, he realizes mm-hmm. he's stuck with these guys, so he may as well just not fight it, let's just have a drink. And right. um, I did not catch this, but when I did catch when she's, she's, she looks down at the coffin and it's got a maze mm-hmm. burned on it. And she looks up and she says, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And then the, the show ends. And then it was a good way, she's on her way, she's figuring this out, she's getting where she's compelled where she's being told or drawn to go where I didn't catch this, but on that, one of the blogs I was on today, actually in the background, Mm -hmm. they sit that both Elazo and William sit down and have a drink. I think he hands him a a flask or a glass or something like that. Yeah. Right. And when they cut to the wide shot of, of Dolores, when she says that Mm -hmm. they're not there, they're not in the background. Oh, okay. So we talk a lot about time in this mm. show. Is it possible that Dolores has gotten this far before? Is it possible that by herself and William wasn't there this time? Or you know what I'm saying? Or was it a, just maybe we finally somebody finally caught an oops on the you know on the production team? So I mean, well, well, you know, and also we don't think about the fact that the man in black. You know, when we first watched the first time Dolores went through this whole routine or whatever, the man in black, um, you know, takes her and obviously murders her, rapes her, whatever he does to her. You know, we see that version of that storyline. And then we see a version where she gets shot in the stomach. And then we see a version where she gets away. So, you know, who knows how many versions of her story there are. There's just another version. So, yeah, maybe she has been there before. And so this is, they're just playing with that, that convention they created where, She's flashing back, and you know, so someone's there and no one's there, you know, and that's kind of what they're doing. They're just going back to that, that weird little seven, or not seven, uh, Fight Club, little uh, Tyler Durden, you know, uh, technique, yeah. yeah. Well, and by the way, the show isn't over. We still got two scenes, so right, I, jumped, right. I jumped the gun. That I just had forgot to turn the page on my notes. So um, it ends with a, it ends with a bird. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It ends with a little bird. But we get to another scene with. Um, we're at a bar, the man in the black and Teddy show up and the piano player. Mm-hmm. Did you catch, and I did not catch this, this is again in, in the blog, whoever wrote this blog did a great job of catching the tiny details. The piano player was Ford when they right, walked right. in. Right, right. I could tell right away because of that. Oh, I didn't catch it. I didn't like, catch it. Yeah. Um, so they have this, they sit down and ha- have a drink and have a really interesting conversation. And one of the things I want to stop start with is he says... If I remember correctly, I wrote down in my notes this anyways, that mm-hmm. Ford calls him, he calls, he calls Ford, Ford Robert. 
Right. And then right. he calls Mr. the man in black Mr. Flood. Did you did wow. that? Wow. Did you I didn't catch, catch that? I didn't I catch it at all. And then that to me made me I had to stop it and write down a couple of notes because I was like flood hmm. could mean a lot of things. I mean, you and I live in the southwest, so we're familiar with fat flash floods. Mm-hmm. Um don't know if that means anything. If that's kind of maybe a play on he's gonna flood. Yeah. flood is it an stress. actual name yeah. or is it a metaphor? Metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Or is it biblical? Could it have a biblical connotation? It's kind of the end of the world, end of days kind of a thing. I don't know. I just thought it was mm-hmm. interesting. He called him Mr. Flood, I believe. I'm like 99.7% sure that's what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so that was interesting. I just wanted to start there that there's maybe we have a name for the man in black. So yeah. that was interesting. And he, there's, a, there's a lot of good dialogue back and forth on this. And they obviously are familiar with each other. I mean, I'm going I'm to call him, I'm gonna keep calling him the man in black because we, we don't have this verified. But right, right. He, he basically says, Teddy, do you know who this is? And so that kind of lets us know, again, clever writing, that these guys are familiars, familiar with each other. So... Yes, yes. They know. They at least know of each other. Have not met before. If they, if they yeah. haven't met before. Yeah, I got the feeling they they've met. It's they seem yeah. too comfortable to not to have spoken via email only. So, <laughs> um, but what did you take of for, uh, of the man in black saying that he sees himself as the villain? Hmm. Well, you know, I I didn't take much from it except for the fact that he's that's what he's playing, that's what he's chosen to do in Westworld. So he just thought that he was a he's basically he said I'm the proper villain that this place needed, some, something to that effect. Yeah, and then Ford's response is basically like I don't have the imagination to make somebody like you. So right, right. something along those lines to kind of maybe like, ca- calling him like uh, you're a little too k too psycho or something along those lines. Right, like Erp. Um, Wyatt Earp. Wyatt, um, is, I guess the current villain. He's that's why he refers to him. He says, "Well, we'll see." This Wyatt is is the guy that you know is finally the guy that's evil enough or whatever you know type of thing. And <clears throat> that just put in my brain the whole thought back to if Arnold created him and Dolores together, you know, type of thing, the good and the evil. And that's why that's why Ford's talking to Dolores the way he is when, and I think he, he doesn't necessarily say you're the only one left. I think he says something to the effect that you're one of the last ones or you're the last one or almost the last. One. I don't know. He says something that kind of left that thing, that little thing hanging out there, which made yeah. me wonder, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. They have some, they have some good dialogue and, and then the man in black pulls out his knife in a pretty threatening way. And Teddy does some awesome jujitsu and so, so that's the question I had for you. Okay. Do you think he was really going to kill him? Do you think he was? Do you think he was really going to kill Anthony Hopkins or the Ford? Do you maybe, think the man in black was really going to kill him? Maybe he was just going to maybe intimidate. I don't know if he's going to okay. cut his throat. Maybe he was going to be like, "I do what I want. Get the fuck out of here. You know, you're just the park manager. Leave me alone." Because right. uh, he says he says he says in the conversation you, that we, we'd already kind of talked about this with the society and how it's soft and. Nobody mm-hmm. outside of this place would ever talk to him. That's why he liked Lawrence. Right. Because Lawrence would actually talk shit to him. Right. Without fear. And so he enjoyed that. It was more of a connection he has to a robot than he has with the rest of the world. Kind mm-hmm. of Arnold-esque, I guess, in a way. But um, 
but I don't know. I don't know if he was going to threaten him or if he was going to cut his throat. I don't. I didn't. I don't. Really, I didn't really give that too much thought because it happened so quick. The way Teddy reacted like a bodyguard, and that was mm-hmm. that was really a cool scene because that said a lot. That yeah, if you take off the safety on these hosts, they can mm-hmm. fuck you up pretty good. Right. They, right. You can, they're going to, they're going to mess you up good. So that was really interesting too. So there, there, there was a lot going on there. And I think we got another gleam. Though he says, um, also Ford asked him, are you closer to finding what you're looking for? This kind of a, at the beginning of the conversation. And, mm-hmm. and so he's obviously keeping a tr- an eye on him. And so he knew where to go to have the conversation. So that was interesting that he's kind of letting him know he's keeping tabs on him. And then towards the end of the conversation, the man in black says, are you going to stop me? And Ford replies uh, something about, oh, yeah, the voyage of self-discovery. Well, who am I to stop your voyage? Right. And he get, this, is, this is an interesting thing. It's uh, one of the blogs I read. He gets up and he touches Teddy on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then he walks away. Right. So somebody was questioning maybe he healed him. In a sense, maybe the programming turned the programming. You're not wounded anymore. You're back to normal, Teddy. Because as mm. soon as he leaves, he's like, clang, and the, the the piano starts up by itself, and he takes the shot, and he's like, "Let's go get Dolores." And he's he's back to being Teddy again. So that was I don't know. That was I, interesting. You know, I didn't think I didn't think of it in a programming way, but I, it just I mean, because I'm not thinking of these of these of the hosts as as a as ro- as a robotic or AI anymore, but. To me, I, I I felt that though. I did feel that when he got up, I was like, it felt like he got up with like a purpose, like a a purpose, and it was partly because of the way he, you know, took the knife or whatever. I thought that was what did it. Like I don't think gave, he, I don't think he gave him the second wind. Did. I don't think he had nope. any clue what he did with the knife. I, I honestly think he was just. I think he had hundred percent control. No, no, no. I mean physically. Oh, okay. It physically made his circuitry or whatever. It it just put him in a different mode. You know, type of thing, like where he, now he had purpose, or now he had this, this like, if if you will, um, adrenaline that suddenly came into into his, you know, system or whatever, you know, and that's that's what kind of made him, you know, got him going. But I mean, that's just the way I interpreted it. I mean, it just it just I didn't really think of it as a as a programming, you know, change or anything. All right. Um... So that, that was a really good scene, and I mean anything. Both Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins are both fantastic actors, and any scene with them, but them together was really awesome to watch. So yeah, kudos, kudos to finally bringing those two guys together. And it was tense; it, you could feel the tension. You could cut it with uh, the Man in Black's knife because uh, yeah. that Teddy takes from him. But oh, and then no, that, that's it. real quick before we end this about the scene. The Man in Black takes the knife and hands it back to him. Yeah, Ford, but, Ford, Ford hands it back um, to the man. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yes. The Ford hands it back to the man in black. And that's a pretty baller move to say, right. here's your knife. Go ahead. Try it again. You, know, you don't have any power right now. So inter- it was interesting. It was, it was, it was cool. So right, right. Let's, let's finish this. Let's wrap this up. Uh, we go to the final scene back with Felix in the lab. And he gets the bird out. And we get to see Maeve is in the back. She's, she's been... She, from what we can tell from Felix throughout the episode, she's coming back quite frequently. So, what, yeah. did, what did you take from that? Well, yeah, she's figuring. She's kind of finally figured out 
I mean, they're not telling us. They're not gonna tell us each time she's died. So, but she's she probably has like a novel of those drawings now and has figured everything out. Did you At think that, is she is she doing stuff? Is she doing it to herself? Uh, I, that I don't know. I don't know. If she's I don't know how she's how she's dying, but I think she's uh, retaining information and she's she's learning a little bit more each time and she's probably been back, like you said. Who knows how many times now, and that's why she's. That's why it ends the way it ends. Well, I think they physically cart her in at least two or three times in the episode. So right, right, she, it's happening quite a bit. She is. She does work in a saloon, so where the shootouts happen, people get drunk and shoot out all the time. Mm-hmm. It seems like I think they've shown that scene twice already. So well, and once again, they're not to me. They it feels time in this show feels nonlinear. Like it, they get away with it because the way they the way they shoot it, the way that's the, that that part of the of the story is separate from everything else almost you know it's not really connected to ford or to anything it's it's everything that's happened with those characters has been in that room so if they put her in the room five or six times it could have been over the course of a year it doesn't it's not really as important as to the fact that she's figuring it out you know well i, I think i'm just basing what mine on the reaction of the felix character the way he's like it again He's like, he catches him, like, he, I think he even says, like, again, and she's, she's oh. back. So I'm just getting the feeling, like, she's showing up more than she should. And so that's hmm. why I was, like, I wonder if she's, like, just finding ways to die. Is she knifing <laughs> herself? Yeah. yeah, because he also comments that, you know, the, I think this is the first time, and this is supposed to be after she stabs and they take the bullet out. So it's a precise, right. it's a precision cut, so he mentions that. But I don't know. I, it's interesting. I'm wondering if we'll get maybe a little insight into Maeve. You know, she's, that'd be a cool reveal. That'd be a definitely a cool reveal. You see her she's, like just she's, tell she's, her story. Yeah, she's like the she's like the Jurassic Park Velociraptors testing the fence. She's like, Chee, get over here. You know, just where can I find a weakness to get in there? So I'm, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It just kind of came up. But um, so the the Felix character gets his little keypad out, and the bird is flying, and it's real, and he's happy, and he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. Whether it's now he can go get a new job, or whether it's he just thinks he's a smart dude. He's trying to prove that he can do something. And the bird lands on Maeve's finger. He's woken up the Maeve. <laughs> so pretty cool. That was a pretty yeah. cool way to end the episode. She says, we got to have a discussion. And I have a feeling that that uh, we're going to learn a lot next episode or maybe in the next couple of... I, I, don't think, I don't think they can wait too long on that little piece of tidbit. Clip no, here. So no, yeah. I'm kind of hoping we next episode get some more... Get get that get to that conversation, but uh, the look good. They do, they do. It looks like it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, great show. It just keeps getting better every week. I don't. I'm waiting for the. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for that like, that bridge episode that <laughs> that led down episode. That, that's the one where we kind of get a lot of back history that we don't need or something. You just, just have to watch. You just have to watch The Walking Dead for that, Charlie. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> get the Carol the Carol Morgan storyline. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We got off subject there, but no. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it's in its first season, and I'm sure they thought this thing out really well, the first season number one, and so I, I hope it continues to just, you know, go up. Absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Because I think I about covered everything I got in my notes. Oh, I think I think we covered almost everything. You know, that's the thing. This episode didn't. It it had a lot like every episode, but it wasn't. It didn't feel as dense, so it seemed like because it was establishing new new things. I think, yeah. So I, I I think it was it was a lot easier to to dissect. 
Do you think the Stubbs character is, is, is maybe the one that's... Because he would have the most access to everything. The Stubbs is the security Possible. Guy. I mean, he would have access to the hosts, and he would have access to the outside facilities at kind of free will. And, but Although he, it's strange that it, it would have attacked him, though. Yeah, yeah that's but, true. So, but I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That's just a thought that popped into my head. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought possibly Logan. I thought, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, the Men in Black. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's something that's kind of underneath our our nose and we don't we haven't seen it you know possibly i think i mean yeah i mean of the two between logan and man in black are probably the prime suspects i would think that the man in black is, seems to be more devious and intelligent and scheming whereas logan is he seems like maybe he's born into wealth and i don't know that's how i judge the character i don't have any factual right that's how i take him is he's born into wealth kind of it's probably a smart dude but he didn't climb to power he was given a lot and well, yeah, of, the man in black knows how to do a transfusion already, so I mean, that's pretty yeah. advanced. So yeah, and he, I mean, mm-hmm. so the man in black, he, I, to me, I would say he's the primary suspect. But who knows? At, right. They can introduce a character in the next episode that we've not even seen yet. That is, yep. Whoever. So, but um, all right. Uh, that's. I think that's gonna do it. You got anything else, Robert? That's it, man. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, if you guys are out there listening and you're enjoying this podcast, if you have questions or you have some comments you want to leave us, you want us to talk about, um, tell us that we're wrong. Tell us a theory that you have that we have not discussed. Um, we're happy to take a look at that. Talk about it on the, during the podcast. We'd love some feedback. Uh, you can reach out to us at Twitter at the newcomers with a Z. You can reach out to us at newcomerspodcast at gmail.com, and that is newcomers with a Z, or you can reach out on Facebook. So everybody, thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as we are. Good night, everyone. All right. I'm going to go see if the Cubs win the World Series. Bye.